Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to uh, Dropping Paradigms Podcast. Uh, we are on Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, it's been a little while we've been with you, if this is your first time. Uh, my name is Heath Hunter, and I'm one of the co-hosts. I am Tori Donato. I am the other co-host, and uh, we're happy to have you here. It, uh, it has been a while. Yeah, we're talking months now. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's kind of funny is I think we said last time that we wouldn't take a hiatus like this and then we ended up taking the hiatus again so <laughs> uh sorry, sorry to the listeners you know sometimes between a february and the end of may things get busy yeah i mean you know it's it's right after valentine's day there's in right before memorial day it's there's a lot of stuff that happens i mean for my family this is actually the kickoff of things so got my wife's birthday in april we've got uh, mother's day in may in june we've got uh, our anniversary father's day my birthday and Ooh. then my youngest was born in july and my oldest was born in august okay so this is like our you know um, kind of busy time of the year as far as celebrations go yeah so it's it's a little bit the same with us so my wife's birthday was in march and then we we get a bit of a break in April, uh, May, obviously Mother's Day. And then uh, my youngest son turns uh, six on Tuesday. And then June, we've got Father's Day and my birthday. And uh, July, we've got uh, my youngest daughter's birthday. And then five days after that, we've got my oldest son's birthday. And in between that is my dad's birthday. So it's, uh, yeah, July is probably the biggest busiest month and then like my oldest daughter she's kind of by herself in january <laughs> you guys didn't plan well come on yeah right i mean but she, she you know she gets the benefit of like the right after christmas additional gifts so we usually kind of try to save some of the christmas gifts sometimes and hey surprise it's a birthday gift <laughs> it was a christmas gift from from somebody but we saved it for your birthday <laughs> Except as you're listening to this now that you're older and you've come back around, they definitely didn't do that. They were all no. gifts. No, 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 we didn't do this. But so I said that because I've I've got a large amount of confidence that my daughter will absolutely not listen to me talking um, <laughs> you know, on on anything. Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe like 20 years from now when when she's listening to this, uh, you know, it'll, it'll it'll be too late by then. Perfect. Before we get too far into this, let's do the two-word check-in. What do you got? Uh, so the first word is warm, like physically warm. Uh, we, we were just talking about this be, be before we started recording, but um, the air conditioning circulation in my house is terrible upstairs. It's like a sauna upstairs, which is where I'm recording. But downstairs, it's a frozen tundra. And so we literally have like, sweats downstairs just to put on from when we go downstairs because it's so flipping cold downstairs, but it is way, way hot. So uh, the first word is warm. Um, the next word is excited. Um, I'm excited that we're, you know, back recording for sure. Uh, but we're also um, next week, uh, actually the day after my son's birthday, we're, we're, we're heading out to Louisiana to go see some of my family uh, that I've not seen in five years now. So uh, we're, we're, we're excited to go there and it'll be the first time that our, our, our youngest daughter has visited Louisiana. So the first time for some of her extended family members to meet her. And, um, for my, my other three, you know, 
it's been five years since since they were there and uh you know this will only be their third time visiting uh, louisiana so uh, they're, they're they're pretty excited about it too that's awesome yeah uh so i'm gonna kind of uh use a similar word to you to to start and i'm gonna go with sweaty uh because okay. today was 92 degrees out Ooh. so it's definitely definitely warm and i i believe in the background you maybe some of you are, were able to hear this but my kids just got home from school and i think the neighbor's turning the sprinkler on I'm not sure, but I, I heard something about sprinkler and them running up the stairs to put some swimsuits on. Okay. So we got that. And uh, the other one, I, I'm kind of hungry. Uh, we're recording a little earlier in the day, usually record at night, but today, you know, I guess it's, it's only four 30 here, but I'm already thinking about dinner. So yeah, I'm not both. sure what we're having, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm already thinking about it. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right. So for this episode, uh, Tori and I kind of decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, We've done this uh, similarly when we talked kind of through, uh, I think we did coaches quotes and and some movie quotes. But this time we thought rather than doing a movie just to get us, you know, kickstarted back into things, we'd look at, you know, a few things that are happening right now in sports. So we're going to take a look at, you know, some pretty, I guess, um, I, don't, I wouldn't call them super important topics, but at least stuff that's in the news right now. So yeah. uh, what do you, what do you got for your uh, first topic there? Uh, so, so my first one is um, it's, it's a little less recent now, now that they've moved on to the next round, um, but mine comes from, from the NBA playoffs and uh for those that know me or for those that have listened to the show, I've probably mentioned uh, Steph Curry at some point and uh, you know, what, what a big fan I am of his and um, you know, just kind of the way he carries himself uh, the basketball player that he is obviously, but also the family man that he is, um, you know, there's hardly anybody that can say anything negative about Steph Curry. Cause he's, he's just an all around good dude. And so my, uh, my, you know, sports soundbite, if you will, comes from uh, their previous series with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, in which they won in six games. But they were, I think this is coming off of a game four win in Golden State, and they're headed to Memphis for a pivotal game five. They're up 3-1 in the series at this point. And uh, a reporter asks Steph Curry, what is your game plan for game five? you know, to go out there and kind of secure the win and and close out the series. And Steph goes, whoop that trick. That's our game plan. And um, naturally, you know, this this makes, you know, national news and makes ESPN, obviously. And obviously the the Memphis Grizzlies hear about it. But what kind of struck me is um, I was actually surprised that that was something that Steph Curry said. Like, I could 100% hear somebody like Draymond Green saying it, who's, you know, kind of the the gritty, you know, heart and soul trash talker of the team. But to hear, you know, the the quintessential selfless superstar who is Steph Curry say, whoop, that trick is our game plan, uh, was kind of surprising. And, you know, so I kind of kind of dug into this a little bit. And, you know, what I found is that over, over the course of this series, um, you know, people were saying that Steph Curry – had been speaking 
or I guess rather trash talking back and forth with the Memphis Grizzlies more than he had um, in in recent memory in in any kind of playoff games with with the opposing team, which was interesting. Um, you know, if you go back to to game one of that series, uh, John Morant in the post game interview talks about Steph Curry going up to him and Jaron Jackson saying, "Hey, it's going to be tough. Let's have some fun." In the following game, when the Grizzlies win game two, John Morant returns that sentiment and uh you know gives Steph Curry a high five after they after they beat the Warriors and you know they walk off the court and he say let's have some fun and so um when you look at it that way maybe it's not you know as as shocking but I for one was still very surprised that you know Steph Curry who's usually pretty measured in in you know what he says to the to the media and you know how he talks about what their team strategy is going to be and um, you know what? What his 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 opponents are going to try to do? He's he's usually pretty measured, but he just like out of left field, whooped that trick, uh, which is actually you know a, a a song written by a a um, artist from Memphis and uh, gets played during during the games at Memphis. And so Steph says this, and they come out for game five. And this is also, you know, made national news. I mean, they got their tails handed to them. At one point, they were down by 55 points in game five. 55 points. It's probably the largest playoff lead ever in history. I don't know that to be true, but I, I feel pretty confident in saying that it's probably the, the largest playoff lead in, in, in NBA history. Down by 55 points. I literally thought they were going to lose the game by 60 at some point. And what was really funny is during during the game, the the, the PA announcer and everything um, at at Memphis's uh, arena, they ended up playing that song "Whoop That Trick." And and there's there's a pretty funny clip um, of uh, Steph Curry and, and Draymond Green hearing "Whoop That Trick" during a during a timeout, and Steph Curry just you know this kind of smirk comes across his face. And Draymond Green is like waving his towel, you know, singing with the crowd who are waving their, you know, their towels and in, in this kind of like, you know, anthem for, for the team. But it was, it was, it was crazy, you know? And so to me like that, that makes me think of how confident is, is overconfident. Um, you know, there's, it's one thing to be confident in your abilities, you know, regardless of, if that's you know sports or public speaking or basket weaving or you know rollerblading or whatever it is, but when does that confidence when does that confidence start to tread on overconfidence? Um, and you know when when does does your confidence and what you say start to fuel somebody else's fire? And I mean you know I I guarantee you that when the Memphis Grizzlies who were without John Morant by the way for games five and six which was uh, huge if, for any of you not that are not nba fans like john morant is by far their best player by far by far their best player lots of people would, would would even argue that the memphis grizzlies probably would have won that series had he still been um in the lineup which is a valid argument um but no no doubt that when they heard steph curry of all people say whoop that trick is our game plan they were like oh Oh really? And then, then to come out and lay the proverbial goose egg, you know, as they say in sports, is just beyond me. Like, if you if you're gonna be confident, 
even if you're going to be overconfident, you had better, you know, perform the very next time, you know, you're, you have an outing after, you know, coming out of your mouth with something like that. And so, you know, that's, you know, I guess my question to you then, Keith, is, you know, where, where, where do you think the line is between being confident and being overconfident? Man, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not the best person to ask that to because I've been told that at times I am actually too cocky. Oh, okay. Mostly, mostly, I think probably during high school, you know, playing sports in my, my small town. But, but I, to me, I think you start to see it when you're, you know, you kind of, I, I draw that line of, you know, being confident versus cocky, you know, overconfident is when you're either unable to back it up and, or it, it becomes the one thing that consumes you. So it okay. becomes the the thing that you are no longer known for, you know, being good at something. You are just known as the person that thinks they're good at something. Yeah. Whether you're good or not, right? And and I think that's where, you know, you see it. It's the argument about LeBron James. And there, you it, you find. It, there are not very many people that would argue that LeBron James is not one of the, you know, we'll say 10 best NBA players of all time. We won't yeah. even get into the GOAT argument because we know it's Jordan. Yep. Um, well, we had that argument already. Uh, but, we both <laughs> agreed. but at times, you know, when he made the statement, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. That's one of those times where people thought he went from confident to cocky. And he, you know, I mean, he won a, a title down there, but it didn't mean as much because they, that's what he became known as, the guy that took his talents to South Beach, yeah, left you know, Cleveland versus you know, one of the potential 10 greatest players of all time. So for me, I think it's that that line gets crossed when people start talking about you as being cocky versus being good. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I, and I think I, I agree with that. And, you know, something that, that I, I was also thinking about too is how many times have I seen somebody and been like that, that person is way more confident than they should be. Or how many times has somebody maybe thought that about me? Uh, you know, I've, I've also, you know, been, been, been told, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little more cocky than, than I should be also having to do with sports and, and, you know, maybe it's just a sports thing, but, but, but it did get me thinking about, you know, because these guys are are professional basketball players and professional athletes, you know, about other people in different professions and, you know, where, where that confidence, uh, you know, can bleed into cockiness. And um, I, I think you make, make a great point. Um, So somebody else, I, I, just kind of think of off off the top of my head, you know, Conor McGregor from from you know UFC, uh, great great fighter, and I mean proven, you know he's 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 been a a championship title belt holder and all that sort of stuff, but he's also been uh, beaten pretty handily after you know coming out of his mouth and and saying that he was going to you know beat his opponents pretty handily. So 
it, it's this interesting, you know, you make that interesting point about being able to back it up. And I wonder sometimes if the, the, the confidence doesn't look like cockiness until they're, they're getting their tails handed to them the next time they're out there. Uh, because had the Warriors came out and, you know, blown out the Memphis Grizzlies or won that game, maybe nobody's talking about Steph Curry saying whoop that trick. Or maybe, maybe, maybe they're talking about it in, in a different light and saying, man, Steph, Steph Curry called his shot and then he, he, he went out there and proved it. Like, he's a bad man kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of an interesting, you know, take on it as well. So as I was listening to you, uh, I, I did a little research on the whole whoop that trick thing. Apparently, the Grizzlies have been doing it since like 2013. Okay. Where, where I thought you were going to go with that was being surprised that Steph Curry would say that because of the connotation of what it means like to beat your girlfriend or beat, you know, a, a prostitute. Also that. Like that's, I, I thought about taking it that way, but I was like, Oh dude, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that I want to take it that way because yeah. 100% if I, I, I mean, if you listen to the song, that's, that's basically what it's about. Um, it, and it, and I, I'm not trying I, to judge him. I'm just, involved. that's just one of those things where it surprised me that, that he has said it. Uh, Cause I don't know if you remember probably two or three years ago now, a, like a little girl wrote to him about why they didn't make the a girl version of the Curry's. Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And so now they started like a female version of the the Curry's. I don't know how often they come out or anything like that, but you know, he's been very outspoken about you know women and, and sports. So it's just an interesting that you know he would he would say that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, that's a great point. And and in fact, my daughter. My wife both have a pair of of, of the of the female version of Steph Curry's, because um, I I I remember when when he came out and said that he was he was making a, a women's line and, and I was like yeah I'm definitely getting these you know for yeah. our lady, uh, and it is really interesting you know because he he is, um, and has such a such a positive platform and you know there's there's not really any. Um, any chinks in his armor, if you will, um, you know. But this this one was just maybe, I say, ar- ar- arguably, you know, maybe his his worst sign- soundbite ever. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. just you know, when 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 you think about it in that light as well, you know, for 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 the connotation that that means, and and you know, for the song that it references, um, particularly because you know Steph Curry is pretty outspoken about you know his his uh his faith and his and his you know christianity and all that all that sort of stuff um it's it's it was very interesting yeah and and i i'm sure you know to him that's not what he meant by it but and as we know words tend to lose meaning especially in songs yeah you know it, it's so it is what it is but i also think too as i was just kind of you know applying this and, and thinking about it from, you know professional standpoint of, you know, in, in the workplace and how our confidence keeps us from asking for help sometimes. Yeah. And if you think about it too, right. So 
there's been time, you know, if your boss is asking you to do something and you are overly confident how quickly you can get it done or your ability to get it done, really necessarily go in with a game plan. You don't, you know, do the, the Abraham Lincoln of, if I've got, you know, four hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend three and a half sharpening the ax or whatever he said. Yeah. The quote that I just butchered, but you know, I, I think about it. So their game plan was, well, we're just going to go walk all over them. John Morant isn't in it's, is that the same kind of thing that we do with work or, you know, even do with our marriages or with our kids where I'm so confident that I'm going to make the right choices or I'm going to say the right things, or I'm going to do the right things that we don't stop and ask for help or stop and come up with an actual game plan. Yeah, dude, that's a, that's a great point. Um, And, you know, as, as, as you were saying that, you know, I kind of had a light bulb go off. I'm like, Oh man, I, I like the one on your shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Like on my shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I wish you could all see this. So uh, Tori's got a window behind him. The, the walls in the room are white. He's got like a picture. So he's kind of in this like shadow. So, all, and it, his shirt is dark colored. And all I can see is like this light bulb on his uh, polo. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, for, for, for our list, listeners, just for some context, it's our like, cheesy work polos that that somebody created um i will not take credit for it because i had nothing to do with it but uh, we had a work function and you know we we have these polos that we wear and so uh you know it does indeed have a very bright yellow light bulb uh on on the shirt but uh sorry um, i didn't mean to to cut you off from going to (laughs) your point that was that was that was a good um that was a good catch there but yeah, the light bulb went, went off my head because I'm like, oh man, I, I do this a lot. And like, even, even in my job right now, uh, you know, it's, it's not a difficult job. Um, it's, it's a, it's a job that I'm more than capable of doing, but it's a job that if you don't kind of stay on top of the, of things, you know, you, you, you could find yourself behind pretty easily. And, um, I, I roll into the office sometimes and I'm like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just kind of figure it out. No, no plan. Like, you know, the same sort of mindset that you just talked about, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to win today, but I know I'm going to win. So it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and I think that's, that is a very, you know, slippery slope because professionally, when you come into your, your workplace, um, undoubtedly there's, there's probably people who are watching you watching, you know, to, to see how you operate, to see how you move, to, you know, to see what your work ethic looks like and all that sort of stuff. And if you come in, you know, with this, with this very high level of confidence, this, you know, mindset of, I don't know how I'm going to win, but I know I'm going to win. So it doesn't really matter. And you just kind of wing it. It doesn't necessarily set the best example sometimes, um, you know, for the people who are working with you or the people who are working for you to see you um, unprepared, uh, you know, maybe a little bit lackadaisical, um, and, and sort of not nonchalant, which is, you know, the same way that the Warriors looked after saying, you know, after Steph said they were going to whoop that trip, you know, they came out and they, they, they played, I think 10 good minutes of basketball and then 38 minutes of, of just terrible basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
yes. Yeah, so that's, that's a really good point. And, and I think maybe, you know, for the listeners, that's, that's kind of the, the professional and personal, you know, transfer, you know, from, from, uh, you know, the soundbite and, you know, how, how they can maybe take a, take a step back and look at, you know, their, their own lives, either personally or professionally and see where they are maybe coming in with this air of, with this, whip that trick mindset, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come in and it's, I'm going to win because I'm better. Yeah. I like it. It's good. Um, something I'll definitely, you know, think about is, you know, the next time that I am overconfident in whatever I'm about to undertake. Yeah. So I, uh, I decided that I wanted to take it away from what is probably considered a normal mainstream sport. Okay. And I wanted to talk about NASCAR. Ooh, NASCAR. Okay. So if I say NASCAR to you, what, what does that make you think? Um, well, the first name that comes to mind is Dale Earnhardt Jr. Okay. Um, I think he doesn't that... drive in NASCAR anymore. Oh, shows shows my knowledge of nascar uh oddly enough it also makes me think of uh the movie talladega nights <laughs> uh, help me tom cruise help me tom cruise <laughs> hilarious movie by the way shake and bake yeah. uh, um makes me think about that uh and probably the next thing i think about is why would anybody sit and watch people drive around in a circle for hours and hours and hours because there's so much more that goes into it than just turning left. Okay. You got to break it down. There's race strategy. There's, you know, pit stops, there's, you know, car setups and all these things. But I'm, I'm hoping that after today, maybe I can at least pique your interest into, to watching NASCAR and I'll give you a little secret. Okay. So I've been a NASCAR fan for a long time, been a race fan for a long time. I, I Growing up, I used to go to a dirt track in Knoxville, Iowa, which is the sprint car capital of the world, and watch sprint car races. I've been to uh, the Brickyard 400 a couple times to watch the NASCAR race. Um, okay. But I really enjoy, it makes for a, a wonderful Sunday because you start watching the race at the beginning, and then you can doze off, take a little nap. And as long as you wake up somewhere with like 25, 50 laps to go, they're going to do a complete rehash of what just happened in the race. And you can watch the end. Huh. Okay. So NASCAR naps are, you know, amazing, amazing things. Hashtag NASCAR naps. You guys heard it here. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, anyway, why I think this might pique your interest is, you know, when you're uh, your favorite NBA player, former NBA player, now is a team owner in NASCAR. What? Really? Yep. So Michael Jordan is a co-owner of a team with Denny Hamlin called 2311 Racing. Okay. And they have, uh, they started in 2020 with uh, one driver, uh, Bubba Wallace, driving okay. the number 23 car. Uh, and Bubba is currently the only 
a black uh, cup driver. Okay. And he's the first black cup driver in 50 years to win a race. Wow. He won Talladega in uh, 2021. Or no. Yeah, 2021, October 4th of 2021. And, uh, but bef- even before that, there's been, you know, Bubba was very involved in the social justice movements and, you know, all that. And, and NASCAR kind of uh, rallied around him because he was such an outspoken um, personality in all of that. Yeah. But most importantly with this is he was able, you know, they've, they've brought, you know, Michael Jordan into NASCAR. So they've, you know, been able to tap into, you know, a little bit of a a unique and niche market of bringing basketball fans into NASCAR. And this year they actually added Kurt Busch. So they have two cars this year. They've got the number 23 car and the number 45 car. Okay. So uh, just recently Kurt Busch won, I guess this last Sunday, won the uh won the race and what was interesting about this is the fact that this is the first time like this is the first year for the 45 car so it's kind of unheard of that a team that went from having one car in you know 2020 to now two cars in 2022 has basically two wins in their first two years and uh, Kurt Busch was was brought in for, you know, kind of a particular, you know, reason. Bubba Wallace is is fairly young. It was, you know, he was uh, he hadn't had much Cup experience. Drove with one other team prior to this, but had some, you know, won in some of the lower series in NASCAR. But they added Kurt Busch, so. Kurt Busch has won with four different manufacturers. So that's four different uh, types of cars. So right now they race Toyota. He's won with Toyota, Ford, Chevy, and Dodge. Okay. I think he's like the only person to have won with four different manufacturers. He's won with five different teams. So he's been on five different actual NASCAR teams. Won on 18 different tracks across 19 different seasons. And he's won 34 total races. Okay. He's also a Cup Series champion and just this, you know, I mean, he was a superstar when he first came into NASCAR winning early on. He raced an IndyCar like one time and got sixth place, like unheard of his talent and ability. But why I bring this up and what's kind of been interesting about this is Kurt Busch was known for, uh, I mean, this ties in perfectly, known for being a very cocky driver. Okay. Probably overconfident. And this is kind of the, the idea behind, you know, it's it's crazy that he's won with five different teams, but it's also crazy that somebody with his talent has been on five different teams. Hmm. Kurt Busch was whooping that trick too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, and, and he did it. So probably the coolest thing, and you need to go look this up afterwards, the the 45 car that he won at Kansas in on Sunday was had had the Jumpman logo on the hood. Oh, that's cool. The paint scheme was from the black cement 
Jordan threes. Oh, nice. So the car looks awesome. Anyway, so Kurt went from, you know, being this really cocky young driver. He's been on five different teams, had a whole bunch of issues to, I'm going to read you a quote from Jordan after this win that uh, I think he put it out on, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter how he put it out, but it says Kurt ran a great race today and I'm so happy for him. The 45 crew and our entire 2311 racing team. This win showed why Kurt is a champion and why we brought him on board. I mean, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Michael Jordan saying that about you, why he's a champion and why we brought him on board. Your boy, Dale Earnhardt Jr. said this about Kurt Busch. Takes bad teams and makes them better. He takes teams that didn't even exist last year and makes them better. It's a rare quality even some of NASCAR's greats didn't possess. Okay. So we've got all this you know, praise being heaped upon him. And what was, you know, extremely uh, interesting about this was what Kurt Busch said after he won the race. And uh, I'm going to try and play this clip here, but I want you to, to listen for what, what was kind of said about him. Cause I've, I've told you now, right. He was known as a cocky driver He's been on five different teams. He's got people like Michael Jordan, people like Dale Hurt Jr., who you as a non-NASCAR fan knew the name of, right? Yeah. This is what was said after the race. Origins of the umbrella. Maybe now, Jamie. Uh, he can give a <laughs> dissertation on the origins of the checkered flag. Because he's got one. Jamie. That is one thing he is familiar with. 33 tries. Kurt Busch finally gets that first victory Kansas Speedway and Kurt, the year you guys have had joining this team, the ups and downs. How did you guys come out and dominate the way you did to get this first victory? It's all about teamwork. I mean, I don't do this alone. And the way that Toyota's helped us, JGR, our little brother has been so important just on the family side of, hey, you got to get through these steps. Bubba's a tremendous teammate, but this is 2311. This is our first win for the 45 car. And with Jordan Brand on the hood, I mean, I felt like I had to play like the GOAT or race like the GOAT. And I had to beat Kyle's. I had to beat both. This was like the Kyle and Kyle show. I remember uh, Ned Jarrett said this is the Dale and Dale show. I can get one Kyle, and I'm like, I can get both. So he's referring to his brother Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson, who he had to pass there to win. Okay. But did you did you notice the first words out of his mouth? I know the first few were were about teamwork it, that yeah. it wasn't just him. Yeah, which is very interesting, right? He was known as a me 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 guy, and he even says this. You know, there's some some quotes, and and he talks about this. I was known as a me 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 guy, and now the first words out of his mouth are, are teamwork. You know, congratulating his team, thinking about Bubba Wallace, who is his teammate in the other car. And it's just it's it's crazy to to think about how you know somebody could be you know just to, to see an evolution of somebody like that yeah who has been you know a, a amazing driver done amazing things but also you know probably not had the easiest career and he and he hasn't if anybody knows anything about him you know some of the previous teams that he's been on have been some of the the newer teams, some of the teams without all the money and not the big teams in the sport. 
But I got one other soundbite that I want to play for you from Denny Hamlin, who is the the co-owner with uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. With this one, this is Denny talking about why he actually hired Kurt Busch. And this made me, you know, start to to think about, uh, I won't, I won't spoil it, but this was. But he's going to be turned 44. I mean, how did, did you have to convince Michael at all? Like, Hey, put your brand on a car of a 44 year old veteran instead of, you know, maybe these kind of one younger hot shoes. Not, no, cause he wins. I mean, the fact is, is Kurt Busch wins and doesn't matter about any previous history at this racetrack. We know when we show up, if we got a, if, if we got a fast car, he is capable of winning. And that's what I saw in Kurt Busch. Um, I told him the step one beyond before we talk about how we're going to fund it, how we're going to do anything is I need you to drive it. That, that's all I care about is I need you. We'll worry about funding it or worry about the crew chief later. I just need to know that you believe in this. And so um, he did. And, and listen, he, he took a risk. I mean, this is a, a truly new team. I mean, these guys are, are continuing to hire new people every other week. I mean, it's, it's, we're still growing. And so um, I just, he is such a team player. He's, he, you know, everything that I had heard things about Kurt, um, from his peers and I, and I interviewed three of his previous teammates. I took three of his previous teammates to lunch and just asked and kind of vetted Kurt out. Cause I'd, I'd never really had a close relationship with Kurt, but, um, every single one of them, all three said he was the best teammate I've ever had. That's, that's your peer review. That's, that's pretty much someone you need to have in your stable. And that, and especially for Bubba, who has never had a teammate before. So might as well put him with the best one that's out there. Ooh. I mean, pretty cool. You know, Denny Hamlin's been around the sport a long time. He's a three-time Daytona 500 winner, brand-new car owner, to say, I want Kurt Busch, and then to go interview his peers and his peers to say those things. Yeah, that's huge. So this got me thinking. If I was to interview three of your peers right now, what would they say about you? And Ooh. And I don't, I don't need you to answer that question, right? Yeah. It, it, you would answer it in the way like, well, I hope they say this. Right. And, or I think they're going to say this. But I was like, man, as I, as, I, as I heard him say that, just Kurt Busch, who was me, 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 like as a, as a longtime NASCAR fan, like I was a Jeff Gordon fan, I did not like Kurt Busch. And then – you know, he joins 2311 Racing, and I start to, you know, even before that, you start to see some change. He kind of becomes a little more, you know, humble and stuff. And so I was like, man, what if, – if this is what, you know, somebody who is known as being cocky, not confident, can change his career and now is the person that a brand-new team wants to bring in, to show a young guy how to do things and then to have three of his previous teammates, even while people, you know, on the outside thought he was cocky, three of his previous teammates say that he was the best teammate they ever had. Like, that's what I want. That's what I hope 
you know, my peers would say about me. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that's, um, I think that's, that's a question that we should probably all ask ourselves. And it's probably a question that we should continue to ask ourselves throughout our different, you know, phases of life, uh, you know, personally and professionally, because you can, you can only control so much um, when it comes to your reputation, your, your reputation and, you know, the image that you project and what people think about you. But I think an even larger part of that is completely out of your control and it's what other people, and it's, it's completely in, in, in the control of, of other people and what they think and say about you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I would still argue that the most powerful method of, of, of marketing your news is, is still word of mouth. Um, because, and the reason I say that is, is because people only tell like other people about something that they, they like or somebody that they know or some product that they use when two things are present, when, you know, the, that person has a relationship with the other person and, and that they, and that other person trusts the other person. Um, and so like, for example, like I, if, if, if I'm, uh, I had a buddy who, who, who sold, um, they're like, uh, those, those knives, like, like you ever had people come to your Cut house, like, Cutco. Yes. Cutco. Um, and, and, you know, he, he asked me to, you know, tell, tell some friends about it, tell, tell, tell my neighbors about it. And, and, you know, so that I could help him generate some, some, some business. And I, and I did because he was my friend. I, I trusted him. Um, I trusted the person that he was in his character. And I also had, uh, you know, some trust and credibility with my neighbors and those people. Uh, and so, you know, because they knew me, they knew that I wasn't going to, you know, bring them something that was going to be, a waste of their time or that I, that I personally didn't think was, was valuable. And, um, I think for, for Kurt Bush, you know, to, and, you know, for, for our listeners, you know, as much as part of me would say, it doesn't matter what people say about you or people think about you. There's another part of me that says it absolutely matters what people think about you and say about you because, that you know gives gives people a sense of who you are that otherwise don't know you um you know and 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 things things like that it's it's like you know we we've been talking about steph curry a little bit here you know people genuinely you know people generally like steph curry because so many people speak highly of him like people didn't like well some people didn't like dennis rodman because he didn't really have like, you know, glowing comments about how great of a person was he, he was and, you know, how professional he was and all that sort of stuff all the time, you know, from, from, from everybody, um, you know, professionally people, you know, whenever you, you get, you know, a new person into your organization or a new boss, like there's, there's, there's typically a story that comes with that person or, you know, some things that you've heard through word of mouth, some firsthand experiences. And 
whenever those firsthand experiences are, you know, far and away positive, then your initial outlook on this person, your initial um, expectation of this person is probably going to be pretty positive just because of, you know, what the people that you know, like, and trust have told you about somebody that, you know, they've interacted with versus if they tell you this person is awful, like stay away from them. They suck the life out of the rooms that they walk into, you know, you don't want to be anywhere around them. I, for one, would be like, got it. I will definitely not be in the room with that person if I don't have to be. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that's, man, that's, that's, that's such a good question to ask yourself. And, and I think, too, what really stuck with me, right? So I was thinking about, you know, job interviews and, and how, you know, people ask for reference letters and, and you write reference letters for people. And um, a lot of times, you know, they'll ask to talk to your boss of your previous job to see what kind of person you were. And at, at times, like, I wonder if those are the best representations, because I know a lot of people that, you know, their previous boss would tell you that they're the, they're great. You know, they're uh, the best worker. They got all the hard tasks and they did all these things. But if you ask the person sitting next to them that worked with them, they would tell you that they are, you know, absolute disaster of a, of a person and, and the person that, that will ruin a culture. Yeah. And so like, I, I just got to thinking, I was like, man, is it time to, to change how job interviews are done? And do we not go to the bosses always? Do we, do we ask the boss to give us the name of, of a coworker that that person mm-hmm. didn't give you the name of, right? Like didn't pad the system. Um, I, I just, I, I, I say that cause I remember stories of buddies in high school who would give the phone number of one of our friends as the person they worked for yeah, like, like a lawn care <laughs> business or something. And that person would just pretend that they, had, you know, were the owner. And even though they were, you know, 17 years old as well. Um, so like, you know, is that, would it be better to, you know, actually get some, some knowledge from a coworker, but even beyond that of like, just thinking about the people that you're around, the, the, the people that see you interact with other people on a daily basis, whether it be at, at church or, you know, at a school function or at your job, like yeah, if someone were to ask them who you are as a person or, or what your best traits are, what would they say? And what, and if they asked like, what are your worst traits? What would they say? And that, that really made me kind of pause and just step back and be like, man, like, somebody that the media thought was not, not this, you know, not the person that his peers said he was. And I, and I've had experience with this and I had a job where um, we had a, a peer that the leadership within our organization, the, the, the folks at top didn't necessarily like, and were ready to actually get rid of them. And we had to go to bat because we, what we saw of this person was the exact 180 of what the people in charge saw. Yeah. And we were like, I remember being in the room and having the people talking to us about this person and saying, Hey, we're getting rid of this person because they are not what we stand for. And we're like, what are you talking about? 
Like we had no idea where this was coming from and couldn't have disagreed more. And it was because of the things that we said about this person that kept them in the organization. Well, that's, that's good to hear that, that they, you know, didn't get kicked out, but um, that's a, that's a huge point. Like, I, I think there's sometimes we, we, we forget that being a decision maker is not the same as being the one with the knowledge. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, for one, it's a privilege to, to be the decision maker, but it's also, it's also a privilege to be the person who has the knowledge. Right. Um, and kind of flipping that narrative on its head in like, like you said, you know, in, in interviews or just different interactions and when you are in a position to make a decision, thinking about the knowledge that you have and the, and the knowledge that you need, because, you know, the knowledge that you have is probably on paper in some sort of fashion, you know, their, you know, work, work performance or records of an individual's training or, you know, time you know uh time stamps of the amount of hours that they spent on the job or whatever the case is that's the knowledge that you probably have available to you but the knowledge that you need is probably not readily available to you it's it's in the in the minds of the people you know who are working side by side you know in the in the thick of things with you know this the, this person that you're going to make a decision about um oh man that's um i think just you know having this conversation i think that's going to kind of completely call into question um well it, it it's not going to kind to it it does completely call in question you know kind of the the way that i've that i'm i've looked at decision making um and and kind of just leadership in general and and um what my what my vantage point is at any given time um and is i think really gonna shape you know into the future you know for for whenever i do get an opportunity to to be a decision maker um you know it's going to shape how, how, how I make decisions, but it's also, I think going to shape the way that I communicate the knowledge that I have um, about individuals to decision makers, because I think that's, that's, that, that's one thing for me right now as a, I'm not a decision maker, but I am a, a, a knowledge holder. Um, I've not necessarily communicated my knowledge of individuals who, who, you know, decisions are being made on to those decision makers, you know, for, for whatever reason. And, and so um, I think this is going to prompt me to maybe be more deliberate in making sure that I communicate the knowledge that I have about situations to, to uh, decision makers in the future. Yeah, for sure. And I hope it also makes you take pause of, you know, what those same people that you have the opportunity to speak on would say about you. Yeah. And I, and I say that as a reminder for myself, not, not to, to point a finger at you, but I, I hope to like, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I know we've, we really only have, you know, two kind of, you know, sound bites that we, we've talked about today, but they both really, I mean, they tie in nicely together. And I, and I hope that our listeners take away this idea of, you know, confidence over cockiness and the fact that, that how you carry yourself is really what, you know, could make or break, you know, opportunities for you. Yeah. Because of, you know, how people see you and, and, and interact with you. And, and I think you, you said it best, right? Like you, you can't worry about what every single person thinks about you because there are going to be people that don't like you, no matter how good of a person you are. And it, it's more about, you know, how do the people that I care about view me? Yeah. And even those people, you know, even though they care about you and I, and, and I hope that they would be more willing to do this. Like those people are the ones that you want to know what they think about you and good and bad, right? Like what are, what are my, you know, am I being too cocky, you know, or am I confident enough? Those kinds of things. So I don't know about you, but I think, you know, we've, we, again, uh, as we start out kind of talking about you know, what the topics that we're going to discuss, I, I never realize, you know, how, how deep we're going to actually pull the threads and how much I'm going to stop and think about, you know, the things that, that I do in my life and, and, you know, apply these lessons that we've learned from 40 year old NASCAR driver and uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, no, man, it, it's, it's the same for me. I think that's, you know, for the people listening, you know, we'll, we'll reiterate again, you know, Heath and I don't rehearse this. Like we don't, you know, we, we, we talk very briefly about what we sort of want to talk about. And then, and then we just hit the record button and, you know, whatever comes out is what comes out. And, and um, yeah, I share the same sentiment because every, just about every, every episode, there's always something you know, to, to reflect on or always something, uh, you know, that ties in well with, with, you know, what you're saying or what I'm saying. And, and, um, it just happens to work that way. Yeah, for real. Like, you know, who knew that we were going to, I was going to inform you that Michael Jordan owns a NASCAR team. Yeah, that's, that's wild. I, that is actually pretty cool. I, and I, I, I will say my interest is peaked. So for those people that maybe I piqued some interest in a NASCAR, the all-star race is this weekend. So it's a little bit different racing, um, but it's not a points race. So you'll see probably some more wrecking, which I know people okay. know about uh, racing, but you're also just going to see some, you know, different, uh, you know, some people putting it out there on the line a little bit more because they know it's not a points race to win the championship at the end of the season. This is just a race. Either you win, and I think you win like a million dollars, or you go home. Okay. So I, I encourage folks to check it out on Sunday. It's a race. Uh, I think they're racing in Texas, but it, it'll be it'll be a good race. Yeah. I might have to tune in. And, you know, if I time it right, I can get my, my uh, hashtag NASCAR nap in too. So, <laughs> Well, I think the race is a little bit later. I think it starts at. 6 30 eastern time so 
I mean, I guess you could take a late nap. Yeah. Late nap works. No judgment. No judgment. <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, that's all I got for today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, please remember to go rate, subscribe, and review. I know it's been a while since we, you know, pushed one of these out, but let us know if you like the format, too, if you enjoyed us, you know, just talking about things that have happened recently in, in sports. I'm sure we'll give you a movie. I know Top Gun's coming out real soon. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to do that. So, you know, Tom Cruise back as the, uh, you know, infamous Maverick. Yeah. Will he be inverted again is the question. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who will communicate this time? Yeah. Keeping up, keeping up relations. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, thanks for listening. See y'all. See you guys.